Welcome to Coached Soul, a podcast for a better you. Here's your host, Steve Hudgens. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Steve, your host. I'm a licensed professional counselor here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This podcast is about how to be a better you. Sometimes we interview a variety of people to help you to look at things from a different perspective. Last time we talked about fear and understanding fear and relationship. And one of the things I really want to hone in on is how to fight fair. And that's a touchy subject sometimes because we think, ah, we all fight fair. It's just the other person. Not really. And here's why. When you think about growing up, you are conditioned by your family's behaviors and how they fight or don't fight within the family. For example, if you have siblings that are always fighting, then you either learn how to fight or not to fight. You watch your parents, you watch other people growing up and how they resolve conflict or discord. But let's throw in the mix of some trauma. As we get older as an adult, how does trauma affect people? And when I say trauma, there are two different types of trauma. I call them big T and little T. So when we think about trauma, the big T are things like a sudden death. A disruption in the family of the primary caretaker has been taken away. Maybe there's a physical assault, a sexual assault, a bad car wreck. These could be considered big trauma that sometimes can lead into PTSD. Now there's little trauma. Little trauma are things like a parent constantly yelling at a child. Yes, that's considered emotional abuse because you're yelling at a child. And I hear sometimes parents say, well, that's the only way I know how to get things across to them by yelling. Well, your yelling has become ineffective because the lack of consistency and providing consequences and following through doesn't help either. That's another topic for another discussion. But what I want to get at is how does trauma affect each person? Now, we're human beings. We're not robots. So there are no manuals of how to raise a child, unfortunately. So when you begin to think about how do we fight, it's sometimes in how we explain or come across in a message. You know, somebody can say, You know, I can help you with uh, baking if you need some help. When the co-worker brought in some bread and it was dry. And so instead of saying, I can help you, maybe you can say, hey, I throw a little sour cream in my bread sometimes. You might want to try that. But it's how we deliver the message is what causes the trigger points within the other person. And when you think about the hurt that you might have, 
how much hurt does your spouse or that other significant other have about you? And it doesn't necessarily have to be in relationships in that regard, because you think about your coworkers, your boss, people that you interact with on a daily basis, they have hidden hurts too. Just like going into Walmart and you're talking to that cashier, that cashier may not be having the best day and their message is very short and to the point. If we would just take the time to go behind the message and say, it sounds like you're really having a tough day. I'm sorry that you're having a tough day. I hope your day gets better. Who wouldn't want some type of encouragement? We all need encouragement, especially within this day and age of the negativity that we have. So when you think about how we speak, that's what's important. Because sometimes when you think about how we speak, you know, you ever been in a conversation where you said something and the person comes back and says, no, I didn't say that. Well, there was no clarification to begin with from the get-go. If there is some hurt or some misunderstanding on the receiver's end, there needs to be clarification to the one that's the giver. Hey, I'm not sure how you're meaning this, but can you reword that so I can have a better understanding of what you're trying to say? That's a lot better than instead of kind of blowing up over a text message or a voice conversation and then blaming the other person that this is what they meant to say. What I mean by this is that when I do couples therapy, I do this experiment even with parents and children. And here's how this goes. If you are going towards home and there are two men standing there with masks on, what would you do? It's interesting because when I ask that, majority of the people will say, oh my gosh, um, I don't know what I would do if somebody was standing at my house even though I said home. I had a female do that and her husband said, no, that's not what Steve said. Steve said home. He didn't say anything about house. And then just this week, I had the opposite. The man says, well, I, my house, so I need to call 911 to get them out of my house. I didn't say they were in your house. I said, you're going towards home and two men are standing there with mask on. What are you going to do? So I did it on an individual and I asked him the same thing. And he says, well, I'm not sure what I might do if I'm driving home and I see two men. And in each of these cases, I said, I'm not sure what you are talking about or thinking because I'm thinking about a baseball game. I bet you're chuckling right now. It is a kind of funny scenario, but it makes sense of how our communication can get skewed. 
how our communication could get misaligned because we're not on the same page. Because sometimes when we talk vague, you're going towards home and two men are standing there with masks on, we immediately expect or assume we're going to get hurt. But I'm talking about a baseball game because the catcher and the umpire have face mask on to protect them from the ball hitting their face. And I asked this individual, I said, how did you get driving home when I didn't say that? He says, because I was visualizing in my mind what you said. You have to think about how our visualization in our mind and trying to pick up on somebody's words, how we can interpose those words and thoughts and say, well, this is what you said. And no, that's not what the deliverer actually said. I recently had that happen and they told me I really said this. And I said, no, I didn't say that because I'm, I try to be very careful in how I express myself. Am I wrong sometimes? Yes. But I know without a shadow of a doubt, because I know how meaningful a certain phrase may be, I'm very careful how I deliver it. So what I'm sharing with you as a couple, a relationship, things as a boss or whatever your relationship might be with others, is to be careful how you deliver the message. Yes, we live in a society that we are instant. We want instant information. But look how much instant information has gotten us into trouble. For example, the COVID. How many times have they said something and then backtrack and said, no, this is not accurate information. We get too quick, too fast in our thinking and presume this is what the other person is saying. Now you add trauma to that. What if these individuals had trauma and I introduced this message that two men are standing there with mask on? Could they have interpreted that they really are going to get hurt? Well, sure, because it's based upon their experience. In a conversation of being able to say, hey, two men are standing there, there should be some clarification. Well, are you saying that these men are, what type of mask are they wearing? And that's even difficult because if I said they were wearing a protective mask, you can assume maybe a N95 type mask, a surgical mask, a gas mask. There's all kind of masks out there. And instead of going for a tip for tat, the messenger needs to be able to be more specific. But if the receiver is still confused, we both need to go back and forth until we understand. And one of the things in couples that I try to help with is understanding the message. Taking the time to be able to look past somebody and that goes somebody's hurt and that goes back to the blast podcast about fear fear invokes certain emotions in the relationship if we can learn how to remove fear 
then our communication level will be much better. And we have to be careful about people's reactions. When somebody express or a, a way of reverberizing, for example, well, this is a, a lot of information for me to take in. And somebody says, well, I'm sorry, that's too much. It is the same thing. You're just putting it into your own words of how this is being receptive. And that's not accurate. Then you try to go back and forth until that information is correct. But to blow up because you feel like that other person is not listening, that's not the case. Because you think about how they shared something with you and it could be trauma-based with him. Because who knows if this person had a spouse that was very abusive and trying to suppress and oppress their thoughts and feelings about this is how they should feel. So they're going to become more reactive in their trauma. Trauma has a way of affecting how you see things. Well, Steve, what do you mean by that? The only way that I can explain how trauma works in the brain is by a couple who would have breakfast every morning at their dining room table in their house. And they have this big picture window that they're able to look out and they can see their neighbor's yard. Well, his wife would come in and explain to her husband, oh, look, she's out hanging her laundry again on the clothesline and it sure is spotty. It's dirty. She would do this kind of day in and out every time that her neighbor would hang her laundry. Well, one morning she comes in and smiles and pokes at her husband and say, Hey, honey, look out the window. She finally figured out how to clean her dirty laundry. Her husband chuckles and says, No, dear, I just washed our windows this morning. It's about perception. If there's trauma, you're looking through a window of trauma. And you ever hear of a narcissist or someone say, well, it's your fault. You're the one to blame if you just hadn't. It's because they're looking through the window of a trauma and they're projecting their hurt onto you. And that lady's laundry has been cleaned the entire time. So when we get into arguments, we have to be aware of the situation that's going on. I know this person had trauma. Growing up, there's trauma. And you attract a husband or a spouse or a wife that is physical, verbally, emotionally hurtful. And you haven't really worked on the trauma it's like pouring salt in a wound. You're messing with the splinters. It's triggering. Remember, that goes into the last podcast about landmines. And that's what happens is landmines. And, you know, when we think about landmines, they become explosive. And we don't know what a landmine looks like. For example, 
there was a guy that I knew that was married and was in a blended family situation. He told me he just gotten some coffee, came home, walking through the garage door, and his stepdaughter bumped into him and the coffee went over his hand. And he says, please be careful and watch what you're doing. Stepdaughter looks at him and says, you don't have to tell me what to do. You're not my father. So yeah, he becomes angry. Starts walking towards the front door to open it to give the coffee to his spouse. And her daughter comes running up and says, he bumped into me. And he says, no, she bumped into me. And his wife stands up and says, both of you go to your rooms. I don't want to hear it right now. Well, imagine how he felt. He felt slighted, disrespected is what he told me he felt. And he said he threw his coffee down and says, I'm not your effing child. And he left. So we process this in therapy and we begin to work through this situation. And as we went back into his past, it went to his parents always telling him when he tried to express his emotions, we don't want to hear it. Go to your room. In some generations, it was always said that the children is to be seen, not heard. And when you suppress the child's emotions, it doesn't help. Children have emotions. Remember the podcast that Tracy and I did on sex? That there's only one emotion that a man's allowed to have, and that's anger? You're not supposed to cry. Suck it up. It's okay. Move on. Be a tough guy. And then you hit this landmine unknowingly. And then you hit another landmine on your other person here that you're talking to. And now we're being reactive to each other. That goes into the last podcast about the, the rattlesnake and the bear. And here's, here's a word of caution for women especially. Women need to be careful how they use words. I understand you become emotional and you become reactive on emotion. But words can tear a man down very quickly. And here's why. How often has a man been pressured by society, by home life, that maybe you're not good enough. You got to try harder. You got to do better. It's not good enough. And so the man internalizes and thinks that anything he does is not good enough. Majority of the men that I do counseling with, that's how they feel. That they're not good enough. And when a woman starts in on him, he goes into his mind and thinking that he's not good enough. Now, just because I caution the women doesn't mean I'm speaking to the men either. Men need to do the same thing. It's about tapping into your emotions. 
because as men, we've been taught not to tap into it. Well, that's how a woman becomes intimate with a man is by tapping into the emotion side of a man. And when a man becomes a bear, it frightens her. And now we're poking at each other because we have a condition passed on how to fight. Then you add trauma. And remember, trauma suppresses you. And it doesn't help. And so we have to work through trauma. We have to be able to come and work through fighting fair. And that's going to be a next topic is about how do we fight fair with one another? Because here's the thing. If we would take time to recognize our feelings, remember that's how our body feels. When our stomach gets a knots, that's a warning sign that something doesn't feel right. It's recognizing where you are in the moment. And sometimes that's hard to do. But just like going to the gym, it's going to be hard at first until you start working out the soreness. And fighting is because somebody's expectation hasn't been met. Or we stepped on a landmine and we're saying, ouch, that hurts. But if that other person becomes reactive, well, we just stepped on their landmine too. A healthy person will apologize whether it's their fault or not. And if somebody can't apologize whether it's their fault or not, that's indicative of trauma because it's a form of control, just like silent treatment when fighting is a form of control. That becomes abusive because research has shown that silent treatment it's like receiving a concussion in a car wreck. It causes physical pain as well. So I hope in this podcast that we were able to understand how fights can begin. Because it deals with conditioning of our behavior as we grow. And then the big T or little T traumas that hit us. And then the hidden landmines that we step on one another. It all starts about how do we speak. And sometimes that's difficult. Because we're being human beings and we're going to speak how we speak. And when I ask somebody to say, hey, I, I just like sometimes to have my feelings validated. Doesn't mean that you're trying to tell the other person how to talk. You're setting a healthy boundary in how you want to be treated. So think about looking past that person's actions or words. If we can give the other person the benefit of the doubt, that helps to be able to facilitate a playing ground that feels safe. We have to be able to give room for error. And we have to be mindful of how we're feeling. Because if we're tired and cranky, our words are not going to be beneficial to the other person because we're going to become snappy and that causes a fight. So when you think about what causes a fight is the trauma. It's the conditioned behavioral experience that they have received. This is the reason why I find it very crucial and important that children have ways of socializing 
and not always being trapped at home online during school. They need to have integration with other children so they can understand how to be able to resolve their own conflict. If a parent is always interrupting a child's conflict because they're tired, as long as the children are not going to hurt one another physically, then allow them to work that out. But remember, be patient with the other person. Try to understand where this other person's coming from. Maybe next time in this next podcast, I want to talk about how can we fight fair. Till then, be safe and be kind. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, be safe and be kind.